Yeah, I'm ready to go. Welcome to the 1000 Hours Outside Podcast. My name is Ginny Urich and have an awesome guest with us today, Glenn Anderson. Welcome. Hey, thanks. I'm, I'm excited to be here. <laughs> we were talking before this started that you and I both have grandma and grandpa type names. So I don't know, maybe if there's any other Glens listening, they can leave a comment or a write in. And I'm Ginny, short for Virginia. Hey, if, if someone has a name, if someone's <laughs> name is Glenn and they're younger than me, then I'll send them a t-shirt or a sticker <laughs> or something. I'll, I'll give them a prize. That's great. That's great. And I will give a prize to the first Virginia who writes in. I can send out something as well. So, Glenn, this is a really unique podcast episode. We've never had anyone on the show before that does what you do. And what you do is so exciting. In fact, I was looking through all of these trips that you offer and thinking, oh, I mean, I've not done any of this stuff. So can you give us a little bit of your background? Tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, and what you do at Youth Wilderness Experience. Yeah, so um, I grew up in southern Utah. And if you've ever been to southern Utah, you know, it's uh, I'm, like my back doors was, was Zion National Park. And so wow. I just grew up in the outdoors. My dad would take me backpacking. Um, I'd go canyoneering, climbing, hiking, um, and all that stuff. So I grew up kind of just in the outdoors. And then as I got older, uh, started going to college, it became a little bit harder to do that. But I wanted to make it my focus. So I started going to school. My undergrad is in leadership and group dynamics, communications. Um, and then I got a master's in adventure and outdoor programming. And so I wanted to be like an outdoor director at a university was kind of my goal. And so I wanted to take people backpacking and river rafting and just help people get outside. And then Somewhere in between there, I decided to serve a mission for my church, and I went to Brazil for two years. And while I was in Brazil, I just went out by myself for the first time, like no mom, dad, trying to learn a new language. And so I came back to college, and as I was doing my studies, I kind of tripped into this Bible class in Utah. It's called seminary. And in this class, you teach teenagers the scriptures, and you just help them with all the stuff they're going through. And so as I was doing that, it just became like a side job during college. And then they offered me a full-time position. And so I was really torn. Like, should I go to high school and be a teacher or should I continue on the path I was on? And so I kind of decided just to start teaching this class. So I did it for 10 years. I taught seminary and um, loved it, but really, really missed the outdoors. I'm not an office person. And yeah. so I was in my office all the time preparing lessons. And I love being in the class, but I just really missed the outdoor aspect. And as I was doing this, it started in about 2012, right around there. And I saw a huge shift in the teenage mentality as soon as mm-hmm. smartphones were introduced. Kids were less present, less engaged, more distracted. And so in about 2017, I decided I want to start a program where I can take kids outdoors. Still teach them about God if they want to, but take them on adventures and kind of mix what I had started doing the last 10 years of my life with my studies that I'd done growing up. Yeah. So in 2017, I just decided I'm going to take 20 kids backpacking. Yeah, that's kind of how it started. Wow, that's elite. And to have done something for 10 years and to make a change like that, a big switch, that's really brave. And now you have a huge program, the Youth Wilderness Experiences, where you have all sorts of trips that you offer for teenagers. And I mean, the videos that you have, because each of the trips, I saw a little promo clip, maybe a one to three minute promo clip of each trip. And they were so exciting. I think things like that remind you that life is so cool and that there are so many things to do. So one of the things that I read on your website is that some of the times, maybe all of the times, you're out adventuring, and you could tell us about maybe some of the options here in a minute, but that the kids are not able to call home unless it's an emergency. So you have your satellite phones. And so how does that go? How do the kids deal with that? And how do the parents deal with that? Yeah. So uh, when I started the program, one thing I really wanted it to be was I wanted it to be a program where kids wanted to come to. So I really really market towards the kids and not the parents. Like I want it to be fun and exciting and I want them to come because I know if they come wanting to be there, then they're going to, the likelihood that they'll have a good experience and change just goes up. And so in that process, we're trying to decide what's the best way to help the kids change. And one of the things we wanted to kind of discourage were the parents who wanted to check in on their kids all the time. 
And so we just put a little thing on our website that says, sorry, you probably won't get in touch with your kids. We do have ways to communicate. Most of the time we don't have Wi-Fi right. or cell phone service anyways, but we don't want kids, parents to be worrying about their mm-hmm. kids every couple of seconds and contacting to see if they're okay. Cause that kind of adds to the anxiety that the kid could feel about mm-hmm. the stuff we're doing. And so they just know when they come, whether it's a week long trip, five day trip or two week trip, they're probably not going to have much communication with their parents, which has been awesome. Did you start off that way, Glenn, or did you change over time? That's a good question. So my first trip was a backpacking trip in southeastern Utah, and there was just no service. And so I'd get a bunch of emails from parents like, hey, how are you going to know if you guys are okay? And can we contact our kids? And I was like, well, actually, you can't contact your kids because it'll be out of all service. I will have a phone. It's like the, my first phone I had satellite phone It charged me like however much every time someone would contact me. And so I was like, you could contact me, but really it's going to cause me like cost me like mm-hmm. this much every time you do. So we'll contact yeah. you if anything goes wrong. And then over the years, we just realized how powerful it was for the kids not to be thinking about external things mm-hmm. and just to be completely in the moment. So then after a couple of years, we just changed it because some of our trips, like our international trips, we really do have service most of the time, but we've just asked the parents. We ask them not to bring wow. phones. Or to put their phones up on the international trips, they kind of need to have their phones on their planes to get home. But when they get into the country, we just ask, we put it in the box and we just put it away for the trip. So, wow. Do kids bring cameras, like yeah. actual cameras, then so they're not on yeah. their phones? Yeah. And do you get any pushback from the parents or do they just know what the expectation is and they go with it? Generally, I don't get a ton of pushback from parents. Sometimes I do from kids. Or there's a parent that'll say, hey, my kid really wants to take pictures. And we'll say, okay, yeah, just bring a normal camera. Also, our trip leaders that come, like one of their main jobs is to take pictures. So we're always trying to tell them, hey, just be in the moment as much as possible. Don't worry about getting the perfect shot. Because our trip leaders will be taking so many pictures. We average like 2,000 pictures per trip um, from trip leaders. And so we really try to get the kids not to even take pictures. Yeah, that's where all that video footage comes from too, then I would imagine. Because there's a really cool video footage. Oh, yeah. So I've kind of one thing I've kind of become as a videographer and a photographer. That's like a big part of my job is I go film and then I come back and I do all the videos. And so, yeah, it's helpful when you're in these really, really cool places too. you get these waterfalls and kids are jumping in. You got the whitewater rafting things. So that's awesome. We are huge fans of the Institute for Excellence in Writing, or as many like to say, IEW. We have loved using their Fix-It Grammar curriculum to learn grammar knowledge in context through fun stories like Town Mouse and Country Mouse, Frog Prince, and The Nose Tree. As a homeschooling family with five kids at different ages and grades, we love how IEW makes things easier for us. We can speak from personal experience that the Institute for Excellence in Writing delivers. We've also been very fortunate to have Andrew Pudua, founder of IEW, as a guest on this very podcast. Check out episode 18. Everybody is looking for help to be happier. We look in all sorts of places for help to be happier, but Andrew Pudua, father of seven and grandfather of 15, shares his wisdom about being outside for no particular reason and about how habits of slowing down can help our overall quality of life. Our world has all the materials we need to grow our imaginations, facilitate contemplation and reflection, and practice being at peace with ourselves. Andrew is the star of the show at speaking engagements across the country. People literally flock to him. We've seen it with our own eyes. It was a gift to be able to grab him for an hour and hear the stories of his personal and professional journey. From the top down, the Institute for Excellence in Writing is a wonderful organization that truly cares about helping our children. Each year at Christmas, IEW gives 12 days of gifts that consist of products, downloads, video, and audio resources, and more. On the final day, they ship a special gift right to your door. Register now to take advantage of all the gifts and help your students become confident communicators. Register at IEW.com. One of the things that we had said we were going to discuss, and it goes in line with the cell phones and the parents. And, you know, for a long time, the term was helicopter parenting. The parents are always hovering. And then now there's this term snowplow parenting, which is basically like the parent is pushing everything out of the way. So the kid has a clear path. And you talk about why should we not do that? What's the benefit of letting the kid blaze the trail on their own? Yeah, and that's one of our mottos is uh, we want to prepare the kid for the trail, mm-hmm. not the trail for the kid. And it's really easy if you think about it from a hiking perspective. Like imagine if you're taking somebody hiking and every time you get to a river, you pick them up and you carry them over. Or every time you get to a boulder, they have to climb. You're the one that pushes them up on top and you're just really nervous about them. Everything. Oh, be careful. Hey, I got you. And then imagine that person after doing that for 20 years 
now that person's off and they, uh, you tell them, Hey, now it's your turn to go hike the trail. Like imagine the anxiety that they'll have, um, the skills that they won't have. Yeah. Imagine if, uh, you take a kid and, Oh, now it's their time to go hiking. Um, except for you're not going to be there. Imagine like if you had let them start doing this, let's say it's even a simple trail. If you started letting them do the, like cross the streams, jump on the rocks as an eight-year-old, imagine the confidence they're going to have. Um, they're not going to be scared anymore. They won't be anxious. Um, they'll understand like what happens if I jump on a like choice and consequence. If I jump on the slick rock, this is going to happen. And so the same thing is true in life. If you're helping your kids with their homework or you're getting them out of awkward situations or they get in trouble and you get rid of the consequence. If you're always trying to make their life as easy and comfortable, and no negative consequences. Um, imagine what's going to happen once they go out on their own. And unfortunately, a lot of kids these days are going out on their own. And you see like there's tons of programs popping up for 20 to 30 year old kids who are having a hard time making it in life. I actually do trips. I do contract work for homes like that, um, where these 20, 22 year olds are just having a hard time getting into life. And so we take them out and do these kind of adventures and really just let them do it by themselves, even though it's hard. And I believe the confidence from little things like that can carry over into real life. Yeah, that's really interesting that nature provides this place for us to really learn what we can do and to give confidence. You talk about how hard things can lead to happiness and lead to endorphins, which is counterintuitive. I think that one of the things that parents are coming up against is they're trying to shield their kids from all the hard things, not realizing it's unintentional. It's with the best of intentions to shield our kids from hard things, but not knowing that these hard things really help enhance our lives. How does that work? Yeah, there's something that I think all of us are trying to avoid in life and it's hard things. I think we all do that. I think that's normal. We want to live a super comfortable life. I think parents sometimes see their kids and they want the kid's life to be better than their own life. I think it comes from good intentions. I think parents are coming from a loving spot. But there's lots of chemicals that get released into our body that help us feel happy. There's dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin. But one of them is an endorphin. And what an endorphin is, is it's kind of like our pain. It's an opioid, kind of like oxytocin. But it's like one that you can't get addicted to. It's it's just really good for you. And so how that gets released into your body is when you're going through something hard, after you go through it or as you're going through it, your body releases this endorphin and what the endorphin does is it blocks pain and actually helps you feel good it relieves stress and it's one of the chemicals that you can count on every time like if i do this then i'll feel this way and so it's really important to do some of these things that make us uncomfortable or that are hard or even cause pain because as we do that it'll give us that endorphin that'll make us um helps us overcome stress makes us feel better gives us that like Mm -hmm. hey i just did that it was really hard feeling And so there's a lot of ways you can do that. Like one way that I can't do, no matter how hard I try, even though I know it's, is just take a cold shower. Like you take a cold shower and Mm -hmm. your body releases endorphins. But like on our trips, we always do something that's really hard. Like we're going to climb a volcano that starts at 7,000 feet and you go to 13,000. So 6,000 foot climb and, and just... 24 hours. Of course, we do it safely. And during that trip, it's really hard on the kids. But when you get to the top and you can just see how happy it makes them and how fulfilled they feel, it's just, uh, it's awesome. Yeah. You almost wonder, you had said earlier, kids are just not doing as much and they're not. I read this book by Jean Twenge. It's called iGen which stands for internet generation. And she goes through the generational changes, basically. And one of the things she talks about is how kids just are not out doing things anymore. They're home, they're in their rooms, they're on their phones. And so you wonder how many kids are not experiencing this type of endorphin release at all or hardly ever. And so they come on your trips and they get an opportunity to. Do you find that there is a range of kids, some that are more adaptable, maybe they've had, can you tell? Can you tell when it's someone's first Um, Yeah, you can tell. You can totally tell when it's usually... Well, that's not true. Sometimes kids are really good at faking it. They'll be like, I'm not scared. And they'll just like, they're really good. But you can tell when a kid comes that's just not used to doing physical things or not used Mm -hmm. to being in social situations. And if they come with an open mind, the other good thing about teenagers is when they're in a group, they're really good at adapting. And so most of the kids that come are just so excited to be there. And they're just all gung-ho about our activities. The kids that are really scared, they kind of adapt into the group. 
And so it's just a really healthy way for them to, to be part of the group and overcome it. Yeah, to overcome some of that stuff. Right. Okay, so specifically then, you started off with this backpacking trip with 20 kids. And now your program has grown to include different types of trips. You have trips for adults. You have international trips. So can you tell us about a couple of the different trips? And I'm curious, which one is the hardest for the teens? Oh, that's a good question. So yeah, so I started off just with one trip and I was doing that full-time job where I was teaching seminary. And then about two years ago, it got so big where I couldn't do both jobs. I was taking all my vacation time to do these trips. It wasn't good for my family. And so after talking to my wife, we're like, hey, should we make the jump? Should we try to do this full-time? And we did it and it's been an awesome choice. So the trip's grown since then from one trip to three trips to five trips. And now we offer about 16 different trips. Wow. And just, it has not been that long. You started in 2017. It's only been five years. Yeah, it's been, there's been a huge demand. It's been really cool to see that the parents just want mm-hmm. their kids to get outside. And so some of the trips we offer, because I'm based out of Utah, we offer a lot of trips in Utah. So we have a trip in Zion where it's just like an extreme adventure where we go on via ferratas up thousand foot cliffs. We go canyoneering, sandboarding. Um, and then we have a, a river rafting trip down Cataract Canyon, if you've ever heard of that. It's so one of the most cool. famous whitewater rafting canyons. We do backpacking we do a lot of stuff here in Utah. One of my favorite ones, we're actually not offering it this year, but it's the wilderness survival trip. We have them go outside. Um, they bring just their clothes and a sleeping bag. And then we help them make a backpack wow. out of a tarp. And we give them rice and beans and a chicken. And then we teach them how to make fire, friction fire. We teach them how to make shelters. They have their chicken that they can use for eggs or we we teach them how to harvest the chicken and cook it and eat it, which is always hard and scary for some kids. So we do a lot of, that one's probably the hardest mentally for kids. Like it's not the most exciting trip. Like if you're comparing that to like, Hey, we're going to go learn to surf in Costa Rica. It's not as exciting, but I think it has the most impact. It really helps them be grateful for what they have. It teaches them how to work hard and to like, Hey, if I want something done in this life, I've got to do it. And I can, Mm -hmm. I can do hard things. When the skies open up while others seek shelter, I embrace the rain. Heading to my favorite hike, the raindrops are like a soothing melody, and my Vessies ensure each step is dry and comfortable, turning a simple outing into a rather delightful experience. Whenever my kids and I are stepping into a great outdoors adventure, I love wearing Vessies Stormburst boots to capture the beauty of springtime landscapes. Their robust style is perfect for our nature excursions, adding a little dash of elegance to our outdoor explorations. This spring, Transform how you view wet weather with Vessi. Their Dymatex technology makes their shoes not just waterproof, but a stylish barrier against rain and puddles. Whether it's a sudden downpour or a planned seaside walk, Vessi shoes ensure your feet stay dry and comfortable. Embrace the essence of spring with Vessi. From chic city walks to adventurous treks, find the perfect pair for your lifestyle at Vessi.com outside and enjoy an automatic 15% off your first order upon checkout. That's V-E-S-S-I dot com slash outside for 15% off your first order. I have been looking for simple ways to form healthy habits and get the nutrients my body needs when my immune system feels unsupported. And that's why I decided to give AG1 a try. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics and more, but it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day. And it makes me feel nourished and ready to face the day. As a parent, longevity is on my mind more than ever before. I want to make sure I'm taking really good care of myself so I can continue to show up for the moments that matter with my kids. Every day, AG1 helps me build long-term health with daily nutrients that support brain, gut, and immune health. All it takes is one scoop a day and I'm setting myself up for the long run. AG1 is a supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash 1000. That's drinkag1.com slash 1000. Check it out. Um, and then we have some international trips. 
we hiked the Inca Trail to Machu Picchu, which is awesome. We go to Costa Rica and we we learn to surf and we rappel off waterfalls and we go surf. We go whitewater rafting. We go to, where else do we go? We have a trip that goes to Jerusalem, Jordan and Petra and Egypt and see all the pyramids. There's a lot. You go to Alaska. Oh, there's a, there's a bunch of trips. We're going to Thailand with adults. Oh yeah, Alaska, sea kayaking backpacking and whitewater rafting and so really we're just trying mm-hmm. to go to places that are epic and that are hard and that'll push them and that they'll be completely disconnected and they'll live in the moment and they'll be able to make connections and yeah i think the hardest trip for me is probably the yeah. international trips where there's a lot of logistical things going on just because i'm always counting kids and making sure we're safe even though right. they're we, we have a really safe trip plan it's just always a little bit more like I'm always on edge. Do you go on all of them? I used to. Mm-hmm. And that's been one of the biggest things is when I started, I was the guide for all of them. If we were going rafting or backpacking, but as we've grown, it's just become logistically impossible. So because some of these, do some of the trips happen more than once in a year? Correct. And some are happening on the same week. So we have multiple trips going on the same week. Yeah. So now we, we hire professionals. So if we're going whitewater rafting, we have a company that's in charge of the safety and in charge of the adventure. And then I have my leaders mm-hmm. that kind of facilitate the emotional well-being. They're there for the experiential helping the group connect. And then we have the group that's in charge of the safety, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So when you added more and more trips to the roster, are these things you went and did yourself first? I'm kind of trying to think through the process of figuring out how do you take 20 kids with you to Alaska and river raft or, or river, I'm not quite sure, river kayak, river rafting in Alaska. How do you even figure out what to do and what you can do and how to do it with a group, a large group of kids? Um, yeah, so that's what I do in the off seasons. The trips are from May till August. For the most part, we have our Everest Space Camp that's in October. Right. So my summer is like, go, 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 go crazy. And then during the off season, it's kind of, I'm just doing marketing and kind of getting the, the trips ready. And one thing I'll do is I'll go um, scout out trip locations, either me or somebody from my team. Oh, that's neat. Is it fun? Yeah, that's the most fun part because you're going and there's no stress. You're just like, hey, would this be safe? You're talking to the guys, make sure they have contingencies. They have all the safety stuff mm-hmm. figured out that they're like license insured program. We're just going to check it out. And so, for example, in January, I'm going over to Tanzania and we're going to go hike Kilimanjaro and go to Zanzibar and swim with dolphins. So I'm, I'm trying to figure all that out right now. And then you kind of mastermind it together to figure out what would a five-day experience look like? What would a week-long or two-week-long experience look like? Something like that. Lodging, food. It's a lot of details. Yeah, it gets a little overwhelming at times. But mm-hmm. sometimes I get lost in that. And then I'm like, hey, wait, this is my job. I got to go to cool places. I'm preparing trips that will impact kids, hopefully for their right. lifetime. Things they can take away that will help them launch into life and just be more successful, happy people. Right. And so it's, sometimes I can get lost in the details. I think we all do in our jobs. Like jobs are jobs. But it's just so fun to plan things that the purpose of those things is to help kids with whatever they need help with. Yeah, you have built out these adventures. So if people are interested, they can find them at wildernessexperiences.org. And it's a real easy website to follow to find all of the trips. And you offer because (laughs) you see them and then you think, oh, I'm too old. (laughs) But you do offer a couple adult experiences as well. And you do corporate trainings. So can you tell us what you do with adults? Yeah. So with adults this year, we're going to Thailand. We'll go up and be with the elephants and talk with the monks and go to all those, the Buddhist temples and then go island hopping in Southern Thailand. And then we also have a Everest base camp trip where adults can come with their kids if they like, and we just trek to base camp. And so the adult trips are really fun Mm -hmm. um, just because if you're like lacking that connection with other adults, it's fun to come and just meet all the new people and then to do, to kind of do hard things. It's obviously a lot more free than mm-hmm. the, the teenager trips. Like at night, you're like, Hey, I want to go. You just go do whatever you want to do. Um, they're really fun. And then the corporate trainings, we take people, we create experiences that will tailor to the corporation's goals. So for example, this Kilimanjaro trip is for a company that is really big into summiting things and reaching goals and so we prepared a trip where they could take some of their people to summit the tallest peak in Africa. I want to work for a company like that. The company is taking their employees to do one of these trips. I know, right? Wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's one of their incentives. 
<laughs> that's a good incentive. Yeah, right. That's what I thought. And so, yeah, we just tailor these corporate, we tailor these programs to meet the corporation's goals. And then some of them are heavy into like the, we're going to do hard things and we're going to accomplish goals. And others are more, they want to go to Guatemala and help the people and serve and give back. And so wow. it's been really cool to, you know, to work uh-huh. with kids, to work with adults and to work with corporations and just get as many people outside as possible because the outdoors are like the perfect playground where connection can happen. And that's what we're all searching for is connection. It must be so interesting for you to see how things have grown, to have gone from 20 kids backpacking to having corporations wanting to take their employees to Kilimanjaro. (laughs) How have you managed the growth? And because it's only been five years, how are these companies finding you? And you have these trips for teens. So how are these other connections happening? Uh, Mostly word of mouth. I don't do a ton of marketing. I'm sure like I, I, how long has a thousand hours outside been going on? A decade. Uh, Yeah. And so imagine like, as I follow you guys, I'm like, oh my gosh, like I aspire to have the influence that you guys do in in 10 short years. I don't know if I'll get there in the next five years, but uh, it's just really cool to see how. (laughs) 10 years years feels kind of long to me, but I like that you said 10 short years. (laughs) It's like half the time I've been doing stuff. Yeah, but that does make sense, though. It makes sense because you would have all these teenagers coming through your program and then the kids come home and they're raving about it. And then their parents are the parents are talking about it. Yeah. So that makes a lot of sense to add in this adult component. And when I was looking at the trips, I kept thinking, oh, I wish I could do that if I was still a teenager. But really, we can still do these things. (laughs) We just have to make the choices and try and figure it out. So I even think that's a neat part of what you do. It would be cool if we uh, we teamed up with a thousand hours outside and we just uh, said, hey, any followers want to come on a trip with Ginny? Oh, her that would be the coolest. And let's go to uh, wherever you want to go and yeah, let's just do it. I mean, these, yes, yes. We've never people done that before. I'll gauge some interest and see what people say because these trips just look absolutely phenomenal. We've actually never been out to Utah, not been to Alaska, so not any of the overseas things. So it opened my eyes to all these fun things that are out there and things that we can aspire to do. And you had this amazing question on your website. When was the last time you did something for the first time? When was the last time you did something for the first time? If you think if you polled the average adult, what do you think their answer would be? Okay, so you you sent me that question last night. And I, this is, I sleep so good. I hit the pillow and bam. And last night I was sitting there and I just started thinking, when was the last time I did something for the first time? And it really got my mind thinking like, this is what I'm promoting. This is what I want people to do. Mm-hmm. And it really got me thinking like, why am I not doing more things for the first time? And I think comfort is one heck of a drug. Mm-hmm. Like we love it, especially Americans. We're like, like you go out of the country and you see these people and they're all happy and they have nothing. And you're like, man, I wish I could be more like them. And then you're wow. like, you get back to America and you're like, oh, carpet hot Mm -hmm. showers. You know, we just like our comfort. I don't think it's a bad thing, but I think it really takes conscious effort to do new things because they're so scary. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, we don't want to look dumb or it's hard. Sometimes it's scary to take risks or, Mm -hmm. um, we're just so comfortable with our life. We kind of have it, you know, we have it pretty good here. And so I think for most people, I think teenagers are better at it than adults. In fact, it's crazy to me when a teenager will come on one of my trips and I'm like, why did you pick this trip? This is like, and I can tell they're having a hard time. And they're like, because I've never done it. And I want to, I want to try something new. And I'm like, yes, that's awesome. And then the adults, sometimes it's a little bit on the adult trips. uh, We'll do something a little bit new or hard. And I get a lot more pushback or a lot more complaining from adults than from kids. And so I think I'm speaking for myself. I can't speak for all adults, Mm -hmm. but I struggle with doing new things. So uh, I don't know what the, like, if there's a, umbrella answer but i'd say probably most people don't do a lot of new things that are like really new you know what i mean like right hey, i'm gonna go pick up kite surfing or i'm gonna I, go i think you're right I, do ceramics. I, all right if i had to guess and maybe i'll do a poll or something because i would be curious i would guess most people would say childhood because once you become an adult you tend to get into a routine and you tend to do the things that you were already good at anyway And then maybe one of the biggest changes in society is that that number continues to get lower and lower and lower. That maybe it used to be people would do new things all the way through adulthood. And then maybe it was only through their teen years. And then maybe now a lot of kids stop in childhood, earlier childhood, where they're not doing any new things anymore or taking risks. And so it's a great question. When was the last time you did something for the first time? It's a 
challenging question. And one, I think that would push people to live a fuller life because new things are exciting. Yeah, it definitely kept me up last night and it just had me thinking and, and like kind of like a mindset shift like, hey, I need to really be conscious and intentional about this. I need to like plan something new mm-hmm. um, just to get myself out of the comfort zone because that's where the growth really occurs is when I'm mm-hmm. not in my comfort zone. Right. I have talked to this Alistair Humphreys. He's like a a National Geographic adventurer and he's done all these big adventures and kind of like what you're saying, Glenn, people would look at your life and say, well, how could you say that about your life? You're out and all over the world doing all of these different trips. But then at some point it does sort of become a little bit more second nature. You've already done them. And so this Alistair Humphreys was saying the same thing. He's like, I've biked around the world. I've done all of these different things and it doesn't feel so new and risky anymore. So then he has this whole story about how he learned to play the violin and he traveled through Spain with just his violin and collecting money in the case like a street performer but he (laughs) he said he wasn't very good at it you know he only gave himself like nine months to learn or something but just that push to remind yourself of what is risky for me and what is new for me and what would push me given my background and to make some of those decisions so and as you do it, like scientifically, it should release endorphins into your body. It'll help mm-hmm. um, relieve stress. It'll, even though it seems like an unsurmountable thing, maybe it, it will increase your happiness. Mm-hmm. Your degrees are interesting to me. I talk about this is like a common topic in my life because when I was growing up, I felt like there wasn't good insight into the options of jobs that were out there. So I didn't really know what existed, even though I felt like in school there was these career fairs and things like that. I didn't feel like I had a good sense of my options. And so when you went through, like I have a math degree, I mean, that's kind of boring (laughs) and I have like a teaching certificate. So I taught high school. It's like, well, that's an obvious job, but there's so many unobvious jobs or or paths that people wouldn't even know about. And you were listing off your degrees, leadership and, and then I... I forgot. I stopped writing something that starts with leadership. It was communications, but I focus on leadership and group dynamics, leadership and group dynamics. And then your master's is adventure and outdoor something programming. Programming. (laughs) Like I was trying to write fast, but I missed it. Well, okay. So can you tell us about those? Because I think people will be interested in telling their kids about them or sometimes kids even listen in to know what's out there, what's out there in the world in terms of degrees and programs that you can go through that might be a little bit more exciting than like math. Uh, Matt, I think that's the cool thing about life is like you've got a math degree and now you're doing a thousand hours yeah. outside right. and we're connecting and we would have never connected if you wouldn't have started this. And, and I think uh, maybe even more, I'll talk about how I chose my degrees, but maybe even more important than what we go into school for is just realizing, hey, uh, what I'm doing right now is all experience for what's coming and it might not even be what I'm going into. And so sometimes I think there's a danger in getting stuck in something because that's what you planned on doing when you're a kid. And then you start doing it and you're like, Hey, I don't even know if I really like this. Right. And so uh, I think one of the purposes of life is to wander just instead of like, this is my goal and I have to get to this goal, which I think is good to have that mentality. Sometimes it's just be like, Hey, I'm going to wander through life. I'm going to go to this area and I'm going to be curious. I'm going to do as much good as I can here. And if I like it for five years, awesome. If I like it for 10 days, awesome. But and then if it doesn't work out to not be afraid to wander a different direction. And so, yeah, my, my degree was pretty basic. It was like the most basic of basic degrees, communications, mm-hmm. but I took a leadership and group dynamics class and it really like sparked something in me. And so that's when I focused on it. Tell us more. What sparked something in you? Oh yeah. So just about like how humans interact and the sociology about why we, why mm. some people we really connect with and other people are like, Hey, back off buddy. Like whatever's going on, I don't like it. And so I really like that aspect. And then I really, growing up through college, I worked at a, oh, what was it called? It's called Red Cliff, Red Cliff Ascent, but it's uh, it's a place where troubled kids go. It's a wilderness therapy program. That's what it yeah. is. And uh, so I was in a group of like 12 kids that parents forced them to go there. And just the group dynamics of that situation was so um, intriguing to me. Yeah. And then, you know what? I graduated from that and I was like, well, I'm not, never doing that again. Like, I, not that I thought I was never doing it again, but I didn't have a job for it. Right. And then I took a bunch of outdoor recreation classes, loved that. And so I was talking to a professor and she's like, hey, you know, at the University of Utah, there's a program called Parks, Recreation, and Tourism, and you can focus on adventure and outdoor programming. I'm like, I love taking people on adventures. Mm-hmm. But back then, like 20 years ago, it didn't seem like a real career choice. 
but I knew I could work at a college. So I went on that path. And as I was going down that path, the seminary program opened up. And so I took a different path Mm -hmm. and that path led me back to, I don't know if I'm now I'm rambling, but I think there's just something about the wandering. Yeah, because you said you worked with teenagers and then what ended up happening is it culminated. The things ended yeah. up coming together down the road. Your, if your original goal was to be an outdoor director at a university, what does that person do? Oh, yeah. So if they wanted to be an outdoor director, you'd go to, like, for example, I went to Southern Utah University and they have an outdoor recreation program. Mm-hmm. And so my minor started being outdoor recreation And you just take classes about risk management, a lot of hard skills classes like climbing and canyoneering. And you just kind of, and then maybe you go to do an internship with Zion National Park or Bryce Canyon or Yellowstone. And you kind of get in your feet in the outdoor world. And then as you get skills and go get a master's and the universities would kind of start looking at you and you can kind of start applying for jobs in the outdoor recreation world. And it's vast. And you can, the cool thing about our world today is like, especially with Instagram and we see what other people are doing. Mm-hmm. And then we're like, oh, I could do that. And it makes things seem more possible where like 20 years ago, there was no, you couldn't see what other people were doing really, except for what people were telling you or the people you knew. And so I think your options are almost limitless in the world we live in today. And wow. so if you just see something you think is interesting, kind of walk down that path until you know, yeah, I want to keep doing this or no, I'll go try something else. Mm-hmm. And I think it's okay not to, not to always heading towards one thing your whole life. And timing. Timing is also just a part of life too, which you said things changed in 2011. You saw this shift in kids in 2011. And then within the next five or six years, you started this business because things have really changed and they have. If people read that iGen book by Gene Twenge, it is so mind blowing. The changes that have happened in 10, 15 years. And so now, like you said, people are clamoring for these trips to have gone from 20 kids to a Enough trips that you can't even go on them all because they're overlapping in the course of five years just goes to show how many kids and parents are really seeking this out for their families. Do you have kids that come back year after year? Yeah, absolutely. There's definitely kids. In fact, it's been cool because my first trip of kids, they were like 15, Mm -hmm. 16. They've all gone off to college or some have went on missions or they've just gone off in life. Mm-hmm. And to be a trip leader on one of my trips, you have to be at least 21. And now that group is coming back and I have about 10 different applicants that are like, hey, we want to be trip leaders this summer. And it's just like, yes. Oh, I wonder. Cause I, yeah, because you yeah. wonder, like you age out of stuff. Like one of the things that I did when my kids were little is called MOPS. It's mothers of preschoolers. And you you do, you go and commiserate, basically, that you're like not sleeping <laughs> and you're getting thrown up on and all of these things. But you do age out. It's like once your youngest child is in kindergarten, then you're out. And so with these trips, kids age out. And what you're yep. finding is some of them are coming back to lead when kids repeat, if they're repeater kids, repeater teens, do they tend to do the same program or do they try and like cycle through a couple of them? Uh, yeah. So they do all things. In fact, I remember one girl, she came on a repelling trip and her first repel, she was, she wanted to do it. All of our activities are challenged by choice. In other words, if they don't want to do it, we're not going to force them. Mm-hmm. And so we get to the top and she's like, I can't do it. I'm like, that's okay if you don't want to do it, but I think you can. She's like, I want to. And she just started bawling, 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 bawling. And she got to the edge and she couldn't do it. And so I hooked, I hooked up another rope and I went down with her and I kind of held her break hand and she cried. And it was like this, I thought she was gonna be like, that was the worst experience of my life. And she was like, thank you so much for helping me. Um, I've just been scared my whole life. And so she's like, can I do it again? And she goes again, except this time she does it by herself. She still cries. And then after the trip, I'm like, oh, she probably won't come back. But generally speaking, it's the kids who come the most scared that see the biggest change or the most like, yeah. And so she's come back four years in a row. Wow. And now she's, we have mentors that are like the older kids that lead the younger kids. And she's one of those. And um, wow. just the, uh, and I obviously our trips aren't the only thing that's changed her. She has like all life experiences that's helping mm-hmm. her grow into a mature adult. Mm-hmm. But it's just been cool to see the shift and the change and the confidence and the, you know, yeah. how she can overcome fears and she's not afraid of failing anymore. This episode is brought to you by Better Help. Question, what's the first thing you do if you had an extra hour in your day? Read a few chapters of that book, start painting that guest bedroom, tackle that pile of laundry, play a card game with your kids. A lot of us spending our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. If you're feeling stuck, therapy is something that can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. 
Therapy is a wonderful thing. It can help you learn positive coping skills or show you how to navigate properly setting boundaries. With BetterHelp, it's easy to get started. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try and visit BetterHelp.com slash 1000 hours to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash 1000 hours. Eating better is easy with Factors delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. So get started today and get after your goals. Some of the things we love about Factor are their two-minute meals. You can fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. Our kids love the pancakes, smoothies, and more. And there's a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, including midday bites. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And remember to sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash outside50 and use code outside50 to get 50% off. That's code outside50 at factormeals.com slash outside50 to get 50% off. Yeah, it's really cool to see kids just grow. Yeah, what a hopeful message too. I mean, that's a really hopeful message because if a parent was listening and thinking, oh man, you know, I kind of missed the window of opportunity to instill these values in my kids and we haven't really done these things and maybe I'm too late. But what you're saying is they come and they grow the most. And so there's always time to come and to challenge yourself and to make those changes. So these trips are hard. Would you consider them leisure? Oh, leisure. I think for some kids, they're definitely leisure. Mm-hmm. Like I think some kids come and they're used to it. That's just really fun for them. Mm-hmm. And the other kids, it's definitely not leisure. It's like what we're doing is just a little bit too hard for their skill level, skill level. So it kind of pushes them out of their comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And then there are really trips about like growth yeah. and yeah, and just about self-realization. Mm-hmm. And I think for parents who are like, look, thinking about this, like maybe they're like, I don't even know if I could afford to send my kid on a trip. Like my trips are more like a, like the computer's wigging out and you turn it off and it kind of like jump starts it and everything. Oh, it's working good again. Mm-hmm. Like my trips are more like that. Like hopefully it just gives them like a push into life or like a new fresh view or a new excitement or motivation. But I think as parents, what's more powerful than the trips I do is just kind of what you're teaching people to do is they're spending this much time on the screen. Let's have them get outside this much. And so mm-hmm. if as a parent, if you change and instead of saying hey go watch a movie like hey let's go outside and and whatever mm-hmm. jump on the tramp play some soccer go on a hike i think that'll start that process will really start to change your, no matter if they're 10 mm-hmm. or 16 you'll see the positive outcomes right uh, from just going outside more so mm-hmm. it's interesting to think about it in terms of parenting because Well, and in society, it's become this whole optimization and what can we get out of it? So you could see how a parent would think, okay, I'm going to send my child on this trip so that they can get X, Y, and Z. But what if it's just for leisure? Like what is valuable about strictly leisure? Oh, man. So in my, my master's program, I took two programs that were called leisure. And we spent like probably like two months just defining the word. And so I am, a, I, I'm a huge believer in just leisure. In fact, what happens to a lot of us is we grow up playing sports, mm-hmm. um, which is a good leisure. It's really healthy. It's good for your brain. It does a lot of good things. Um, but a lot of the sports are team sports. Mm-hmm. And so we age out of those and sometimes right. it's hard to replace those. And so a lot of times we don't replace that leisure, which puts us in a state of flow and flow is just super healthy for us. And so the more often you can get into have leisure and get into the state of flow and flow for any of you, I'm sure your followers have heard about flow probably plenty, but when you're like in the zone, you're doing an activity where time just kind of melts away Mm -hmm. and you're so focused on the activity that you're just like, there is no external reward. It's like the reward is doing the activity. For me, it's ceramics. I really like throwing pots on the roof. Oh, I didn't know that. 
Yeah, yeah. So I think when you do something like leisure, it's just so healthy for your soul. I think sometimes we think I'm doing too much and that's why I'm tired all the time or that's why I'm not happy. But I would say you're probably not doing enough of the things that are leisure for you Um, because those are the things that energize our soul and like shock us back to life. And we wake up excited instead of wake up like, oh, yeah, I've got one more day in front of me. So uh, the power of leisure. I like to think of it like almost like you cut your life into thirds, work, family, leisure, or family, leisure, maybe work, work, leisure, sleep, and your family's like the overarching thing. But mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> I do love that you added sleep there at the end because that yeah, is sleep. actually kind of what I was thinking. <laughs> well, this is, I actually think what you said was so insightful. It's like as kids and as teenagers, this is built into our social fabric. I didn't play sports for me yet of reasons. I mean, because I'm not athletic would probably be the top reason, but we didn't live close to our high school. It was a really far drive. So there were some different reasons, but I did play the piano and we were involved in our church and I had these different things that I did. And that's like what you do as a kid. You're on the sports team, you have your music lessons, and then it's just not part of the social fabric of adulthood. And it's not expected. It's not a part of the conversation. You don't ask another adult. I mean, I wouldn't have even thought, I guess, to ask you, how's your ceramics going? Yeah, yeah. We don't do that, but we should, I think, because what you're saying is that this is such an important part of who we are. It's part of our soul, but it's just not life just becomes like work and chores and carting your kids around. And I think it's the exception, the person who does ceramics, the person who has something on the side that really makes them thrive and they find time for it. That's almost like this. uh, Oh, sorry. Well, I was going to say you're a busy guy. I mean, you're planning all these trips. You've got a family. How the question is how, how do you preserve the time for your ceramics? Yeah, I think it's one of the biggest lies. We like when we're kids, we're like, we want to be grown ups so we can do whatever we want. And then we become grown ups and we're like, I'm going to work and then I'm going to, it becomes almost a drudgery, right? Like, we, right. It can become a drudgery, mm-hmm. is maybe a better way to say it. And I, I think, I think, it think often, uh, I think it often becomes a drudgery. I would say more yeah. often than not, it becomes a drudgery. And there is this concept, someone else talked about it on this podcast, of actually in the framework of team sports and how crazed we become about team sports and how much time it takes of childhood. And then we just go and sit on the sidelines. She was saying, how are we presenting adulthood to kids? Is it a big bore? Are we presenting adulthood as a big bore? And I would say that as an overarching principle, yeah, probably we are. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, man, it's, it's so hard to like, if we're not intentional about the way we live, we get sucked into how life makes us live. Mm-hmm. And that's just, it's just kind of how it is. And then we get once it's like a, a cycle that spins downwards. Once we're, we feel unfulfilled or we feel tired. The thing that we feel like we should do is relax and watch a show on Netflix, which I, I love watching shows on Netflix, but if you, that's all you're, I mean, it can really spiral out of control yeah. really fast. And so, uh, I think for me, the thing that, that helps me is just when I know what I love and I do it and then I'm conscious about how it makes me feel and then conscious about I need more of this and then intentionally planning it. I think it's really yeah. important for our kids to see that. Like you were saying, like, what are we presenting our lives as? I know a lot of moms and dads that feel like almost like this guilt when they leave their kids. But it's so good to see them like have mom and dad or dad or mom, whoever, whatever the family situation is going out and doing things that are good for them, like help them be happy. Because when you come home and you're happy, you'll really have this like powerful influence when you Mm -hmm. come home and sometimes leaving the family to do that for a short amount of time or sometimes even two weeks, whatever the the trip is or the thing is, is just not only impactful for yourself, but for those that are in your immediate circle Mm -hmm. of influence. But it's easier said than done. It is. I mean, this lady said on what she was talking about, her name is Linda Flanagan. She was talking about sports and she has a new book out and she was saying, don't go to all the games. Don't go. Go to the important ones, but don't go to every single one. Cultivate your own interests. Cultivate your relationships. And I just finished this book called The Five Regrets of the Dying, which was a really Ooh. interesting book. It's yeah, a memoir sounds... a memoir, and the <laughs> author named Bronnie Ware, she worked as a carer for a lot of people who are in the last stages of their life. And one is to continue to cultivate your friendships. But that's one of the things that can fall off your interests, your friendships. And so you're helping kids build these friendships and it's up to us to keep them going and to cultivate them. And I thought that was an interesting end of life regret 
basically is to kind of be alone and to have let life push out those relationships because it can happen when we're busy with all sorts of other things. Yeah, there's a lot of studies on happiness and one of the threads that kind of goes through all of them is connection with other individuals is really what makes a fulfilling life. Oh, and you say, well, you say outdoors is the perfect place to build connections and to make connections. Why is that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Think about if you invited some friends over to your house and all you're doing is playing some games. Not all you're doing. That's a good thing. You're playing some board games and you've been there for an hour or two and you're just having a good conversation. Eventually, what's going to happen is someone's going to look at their phone and they're going to they're be anxious to get home for whatever reason. Or maybe they have something else. It's really hard. Like our, our world is so full of distractions. It's really hard to be present in the moment. And when you go outside, especially you can go, this works like at the park on a walk, but especially when you go for an overnight trip and you're sitting around the fire. Nobody has anywhere to go. It's too dark to do anything. There's no other distractions. You're just around the campfire. And it's cool to see the conversations that come up and the things kids will talk about with adults that they would never talk about anywhere else. Maybe around the dinner table, if you have a, that's a really good place for your family. But just like around the campfire, there's nowhere else to go, nowhere else to be. There's something mesmerizing about the fire and it just breeds connection. You don't even have to be, if you were in a group and let's just say we were hanging out at your place right now and all of a sudden conversation went stale. We'd be like, okay, well, <laughs> talk to you later. That was fun. But uh, like when you're out, I don't think that would happen, Glenn. No, yeah, yeah. your conversation <laughs> would be good. Mine would run. <laughs> Not so good. That is a thing, but, though. Uh, they say that seven minutes, this Sherry Turkle has a book called Reclaiming Conversation. I actually haven't read it, but it's referenced in so many people's books where they say at seven minutes, that's when things go deep. And if people feel uncomfortable, they check their phone. And what she says is if you check your phone, your conversation is probably never going to go deep because what you've communicated by checking your phone at that moment is that you're not really there for it. You're not in for yeah. it. It's too awkward. You're not going to go there. And then I had read recently too about when you get distracted, it's something like it takes 25 minutes to get back on track. And like you said, our world is so filled with distractions that we're losing our sense of self and our relationships. And so that these nature experiences, that's how my life is. My closest friends are the ones that I've adventured with. And it's not been big adventures like yours because we like live in the Metro Detroit area. We're not in Utah, but, um, but even the small things have really helped us all bond together just like a flat, boring hike, <laughs> but you're together no, and, it's crazy. and there aren't those distractions. There's no way out. So I love that. And it really, it really is crazy how like going on a walk or going on a hike with your friends in Detroit in that one hour, you can connect more than a neighbor you live next to your, for two years mm-hmm. that you say hi to like in the park and like in the driveway or wherever. Right. And you have little conversations. It's crazy how a shared experience in the outdoors really binds people together. Yes, a shared experience in the outdoors. I agree. Glenn, this is so awesome what you do. It's inspiring on so many levels. It's opportunity for adults and teens to join in with what you're doing. It makes us all think about when are we going to do something for the first time? You had a question I just saw recently on your Instagram. What would you tell your younger self? Which I think you have woven throughout this whole conversation about timing and about wandering and about being okay with your path, not being some straight shot to something else. So many takeaways here. If people want to find you, can you just tell them one more time where to find you at? Yeah. So our, my Instagram is at YWE underscore official and the website is wildernessexperiences.org. Well, I'm going to ask you a hard question because you grew up in such a cool place, but I'm going to ask you to pick one of your favorite outdoor memories from your childhood. Cool. Can I, can I answer a really quick one yeah, question yeah. about my, uh, what I tell my younger self? Oh, you're good. Yes, um, please, please. Just, I know I've woven it throughout, but I just want to state it really clearly. Success doesn't bring happiness, but happiness does bring success. And our minds sometimes lie about what makes us happy. And so really be wow. intentional about focusing on connection and being still with your own thoughts sometimes. That happiness will bring success. But I'm sure you can attest to this. You've got this awesome program that you're running that we got in contact because you're doing it and you're building connections. But yeah, that was cool. Actually, I was going to say that I don't get that many recommendations. It's only happened a handful of times where people will contact and say, you have to have this person. And that's what happened here. Andrea Davis, she was on our podcast. Oh, she's the best. Yeah, she has better screen time is her Instagram and she has a book. And so she was on earlier and has really a great plan for helping your family deal with screens, all these conversations that you can have really interactive. And so she was the one who connected us and said, you have to 
to have Glenn on. So I love that. That's kind of what you talk about, the the wandering. I mean, who you know, you never know. You don't know what tomorrow will hold. Yeah, and I'm so grateful that we've, like, now that I see your face and we've talked, like, I feel connected, you know. Mm -hmm. And maybe we'll do a trip someday. How cool would that be? That would be awesome. That would you pick be a awesome. choice and we'll make, you pick a place, we'll make it happen. <laughs> right. Yeah, that would be absolutely incredible. I think people would love that. Now I forgot your original question. So the I, question sorry, is, well, and I love that. I love that you answered it. Ha- success, say it one more time. Success doesn't bring happiness, but happiness brings success. Oh, yeah, wow. I mean, we are really taught that success brings happiness. That is such a countercultural message. And if you believe that, think about kids. If they believe that having that job and having the lifestyle, mm-hmm. like let's say they even look at you or me and they're like, I want that job. And so they do everything to get that job. They'll get here and they'll be chasing something else. So it, a kid, let's say they want to be a doctor, which is an awesome profession. Mm-hmm. They're like, I, to, in order to become this type of doctor, I have to get into this college. In order to get this college, I have to have these grades. In order to get these grades, I have to get past this test. Imagine how stressed their life is. Like yeah. their test, everything just hinges on the next test. And it's just a really unhappy way to live. And in, the, in their teenage years, if they focus on cultivating relationships, being happy, leisure, like all the things that really do help us have well-being, emotional well-being, then eventually they'll be, even if they don't become a doctor, they'll do something that'll be successful. Wow. What a message, Glenn. And I think because I just finished that book, The Five Regrets of the Dying. I'm writing that down, by the way, right now. It's really interesting. I was talking to my mom about it last night. She was trying to guess what the five were. And she had some good guesses, but they weren't the exact same as what this woman had written about which, I mean, she's sitting on the deathbeds of these people and they're saying, I wish this, I wish that. And I think that's a good place to start in terms of how, because there's so many books about happiness. And I think almost every book I read is, well, do this to be happy, do that to be happy. But I thought her list of five was pretty good. And so we're just, we're striving for that. We're striving for wholeness. We're striving for, like you said, connection and experience. And that that is success. Yeah, that's yeah, success. That is success. Okay, the, the original question, because we end all all the podcasts with this, except one time, Glenn, I forgot. And then I got a, d- a bunch of messages about it. <laughs> so I can't forget. So the question is, what's a favorite outdoor childhood memory of yours? So my dad, I, if you guys are familiar with Utah, there's a, a mountain range called the Uintas. And when I, when we're 10 years old, we get to start going with our dad on these week-long backpacking trips. And for the first couple of years, we kind of stay by his side. He teaches us how to fly fish and teaches us how to read a map and look at a compass. And then I remember when we're about 14-ish, there's not really a set age, but probably just when he thought we were ready, he would say, so we would backpack in about 15, 10, 15 to 20 miles, and we'd set up a base camp. And then each day we'd go to a different lake or a different hike, and we'd always come back to the base camp. And sometime during that, he would say, okay, today I'm not going with you. You're going by yourself or you're going with your brother or with your cousin. And so we'd pull out the map and he'd say, where do you want to go today? And so I'd circle the places I want to go and he'd talk over my plan. And they'd say, okay, make sure you're back by dark. And so I just remember, I don't know if it's one, like one specific memory, but just the power of being in the outdoors by myself or with a cousin or with a brother and just kind of being on our own, being like, okay, I'm in charge now. I've got a per- I've got to focus where I'm walking. I got to remember how to get back. And looking back, I'm like, whoa, how did my dad? And it wasn't like he was, I don't know. It wasn't like he was, it was this huge thing for him. It was just kind of how he was. Yeah. And looking back, I'm like, that's a really daring way to send a 14 year old out in these mountains by himself or with a friend. But I remember some of my most powerful moments where I connected with myself, where I gained confidence or where I connected with God or my higher power. There was just power in those moments where I could just be alone, be still, get away from the distractions, be in my own head. And yeah, I think those moments were like moments where I kind of found myself. It's hard to even imagine parents doing that these days, right? <laughs> at least without like a GPS watch. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, but to have that sense of my dad has enough confidence in me that I am capable And then you get to have those experiences where you're on your own. Peter Gray has a book called Free to Learn. And he says in there something along the effects of that many people, if they were to describe some of their most powerful experiences as a child, they were not around adults. It was times when they were on their own. And actually, that's what's going on with your trips, you know, that they're getting to break away from their parents. And obviously, your dad wasn't a helicopter parent or a snowplow parent, neither. No, no, no. Neither. No. Yeah. What a dad. That's incredible and very inspiring. Glenn, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for sharing your program with us, for taking this time, for inspiring us in innumerable ways to 
to add adventure to our life and newness and fresh things and leisure. And I know that people will love looking at the programs that you offer at wildernessexperiences.org and on your Instagram at YWE underscore official, where there's just fantastic videos and things that make that remind you of how exciting life can be. So thank you so much. Thanks, Jenny. I appreciate it. Man, just what you're doing is, I love it. I think it's just what the world needs today. And so I'm glad we could connect. And I hope it's the first of many connections we have. Me too. Me too. Thank you. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts.